Look at that. If you give that sort of a welcome to a half-baked Irishman, just imagine what you're going to give to Jesus. It's wonderful to be back and um, great honor to be back in the house. And I want to thank Pastors Mark and Michelle for that privilege and uh, see the faces that we've known over the years and some new ones. Great honor, Pastor Chris, to uh, share the morning with you. And uh, I've heard about this man like for generations and uh, this nation has felt the impact of the grace of God on his life. And so it's, I appreciate that greatly. And Mark and Michelle have been incredible friends. And uh, the wonderful thing is that there's so much ahead. You know, um, someone, someone said there, oh, I know what it was. Yeah, I was talking to the guy in the hotel and they're gonna have a birthday party there last night, you see. And I, I, I said, oh, can I have a bit of a rave up? And he says, oh, no, no. He says, look, if someone's 50th birthday, it's going to be pretty sedate. And I looked at him and I said, you're writing him off at 50? <laughs> Margaret and I are 73 and loving life and looking forward to our future. And my friends, it's all about what God has for you in the future. I love, I love what the philosophy of the Italian racing car driver in an old movie I saw about 40 years ago. Um, they had a, uh, the best car uh, driver, racing driver, from all these different uh, nations and stuff. And they asked the Englishman, what is your strategy? And he gave this brilliant strategy. They asked the American strategy and they the most amazing racing strategies. And then they came to the Italian guy and said, what's your strategy? And he looked at him and he reached up and grabbed the rear vision mirror. And he literally ripped it off the car and threw it out the window. And he says, what is ahead of me is ahead of me. What is behind me does not matter. And my friends, what is ahead of you is ahead of you. Now, I'd better settle down. I'm just having fun. Um, and, uh, but okay, I'll mention this. I've never written a parable before. Plenty of books and stuff. But I felt the Lord speak to me some years ago. You've got no idea how long this stayed in the womb as a conceptual thought. Um, but the burden for it came out of realizing that we are called as sons and daughters of our Father. And that there's a royal inheritance and an authority and a dominion that is ours that the vast bulk of Christendom settle for so much less than the quality of life and the communion with God and the spiritual dominion and authority that he's actually granted us to walk in. And we need a new revelation of who we really are. And so this became such a burden to me. And so I, I sat down one day and I wrote a parable. And then, so the first two thirds of the book is sheer fiction. And it's set futuristically. And um, then the last third of the book is the biblical explanation to it. 
And I have been astounded at the kind of response it's got. Uh, Darlene Sheck said it's a glorious, creative and triumphant work. Uh, Brian Houston endorsed it. Russell Evans endorsed it. Rick Godwin from the United States. Mike Kai, DJ McFowell from South Africa. I couldn't believe the apostolic leaders that grabbed hold of a parable, a, a story. But it's because I believe God wants to awaken us to who we really are. And if we could just see ourselves as he already does, it's an incredible thing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are already here. Holy Spirit, our wonderful friend, you're already here. You already know every heart. You know every intent. You see every tomorrow. And Father, I pray above all else, the Holy Spirit would allow me the privilege, Father, of representing your heart to those that you love. We give you alone the honor, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The young lady right here, light-colored hair. I'm pointing at you rather rudely. Yeah, if I point at you, do you mind standing up only, only because that clearly identifies me and to your pastor, who it is. So, um, yeah, um, I felt the Lord speak to me in the worship time about you. Uh, you, you look like a really young girl to me. I, I don't know what age you are. It's not relevant. But there's a wisdom coming on your life that is going to be far greater than your years. And it's going to come out of a well of compassion. And God's going to give you a heartbeat to feel what he feels concerning other people, particularly of your own generation. At times you'll feel almost like weeping and you don't know why. Other times you'll feel a surge of excitement. You won't really know why. But as you intercede for them, the Lord begins to give you a heart for them. And the words that you speak to them will be words of great wisdom. There's a depth and there's a well within you that is going to be unlocked in the next few months and years that'll be a, a, it's going to be like a reservoir out of which the Holy Spirit can bring words to speak into life into other people. So um, there's a man back here, um, T-shirt, things on the T-shirt, I can't see what they are, and you're going like this, yeah, okay. Um, you're in for a, a, a major shift in the next, this coming year, like it's um, nothing wrong with what you're doing now, nothing wrong with anything like that, but it's like a, a guy walking along with nice looking walking shoes and there's nothing wrong with them, they're great. And then I see the Lord kind of sitting him down, ripping them off and putting on some running shoes. And, and, and it, it's gonna come a year of challenge, when the Lord is going to cause you to begin to really run. And there's an authenticity about you. And the Lord's going to open connections. As, as, you, as you passionately pursue him, he's going to give you a grace far, far, far beyond your natural ability. Because in the past, maybe you depend on that natural ability but but you're going to know what it is to depend on the Holy Spirit in situations and there's going to come connections in the workplace because they're going to be drawn to your authenticity, to your sincerity. 
but it's a, it's, a, it's a few months of real change, but grab it for all you're worth, okay? Um, where's, the, where's the young lady that was leading the worship? Yeah, with a guitar, uh, you're up here. Yes. Um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the very first song when you sang about storms raging. Uh, one of the lines, because that's one of the lines from my message. And I said, oh, that's great, Lord, or something like that. And he said, yeah, but that's because I want you to know, you to know, not me, but you to know, that he's unlocking a prophetic well inside of you. And as you, I believe you need to lean into learning and understanding the ways of the Holy Spirit, the ways of the prophetic life, because you can't operate a prophetic gift beyond the level of your prophetic life. Find out what it is to live a prophetic life, and out of that will spring forth an unlocking of the prophetic grace and gift. And there's coming a time when you will so clearly hear the heartbeat of God, the heart and the mind, the will, the intention of Father for a given situation that you'll literally just breathe it in and breathe it out. Bless you. Um, Pastor Chris, I almost, I'll be prophesying over people for 50 years, but, you know, you hesitate over a, man of your stature, but the fact of the matter is I feel the Lord showing me something. And the word memoirs come to mind, but with a different attachment to it, because people think of memoirs as someone on the way out. You're not. You're not. But I see you writing stories, jotting down stories moments, events in your life in which there was a significant encounter that led to something supernatural happening, something beyond what the natural could have achieved. And I see you compiling these things and they become like this incredible chest. Uh, have you, not that I recommend this next thing, but yeah, have you seen these things called promise boxes? You know, and they have these little, and people pull out a promise and read it, you know. Mm. Oh, well. Um, but I see you with a Holy Spirit version of that. And I see you in places of encounter, and I see uh, a rose of emerging, uh, emerging kind of next generation type leader people sitting at various numbers, but they're sitting there, and you're instantly known by the Holy Spirit what the need is for the moment and you're pulling these things out and it's the stories that will rivet them sufficiently for you to be able to then speak into what needs to really be said. Okay, so it would be great if you recorded all, some of those. Got the box full. <laughs> all right, praise the Lord. Well, we, we better get into the Word because, well, no real reason at all really, but Peter, bridge builder. Next few years, the Lord's going to use you as a bridge builder between a bridge builder in generations. Um, 
a bridge builder between, uh, I'm only hesitating because what I, I just phrase it correctly, but I see you with the capacity to take yesterday and tomorrow and blend them beautifully. I see you taking young and old, blending them beautifully. I, I see you being able to, in the best sense, not, you're anything but a politician, uh, but, but I see that sense of wisdom and grace in, in, in saying the right thing to draw out and to put, and to put together. And so, um, yeah, so I just want to say that over your life, that, that God's going to call on you from time to time to, to, to reach out here, reach out there, and bring to here. There's a real grace on you. I, I really better get to the preaching of the word. Did I say that before? I think I said that before. Um, there's a lady back here. Um, I'm pointing again quite rudely at you. you want to... Yeah, you're looking around you, but it's actually you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, there's a there's a strange. I don't know you, but there's a strange blend inside of you of compassion and care and all of those things, and then there's a steel rod, um, and uh, I, I I really wouldn't like to be the devil that went up again, yeah. Um, and, and, and so the Lord's going to use that to put steel into the hearts of the next generation. I see you discipling, but not, I, you know, we normally have one of two extremes in the discipling thing. We have the soft, gushy, pastoral, you know, cuddly, cuddly, nice, nice. Or we have the, the sergeant major in the boot camp, you know, measure up you, you know, and slapping them into place, right? But I see you being able to do both, and it's like, it's like you, you, you've got a sword, but it's covered with oil and grace and stuff, and, and, but you have got a goal, and that is these will stand in the storm. They will stand in the battle. They'll be victorious. They'll run the race. They're not going to raise up a generation of mallow puffs. They're going to be warriors for the kingdom. It's kind of that spirit inside of you, but wonderful grace to go with it. So don't pull back when God nudges you towards one or two, okay? Good. Again, thank you for the privilege of being with you. Um, when I came to wait on the Lord for today, it was like, um, it's been three years since I've been here, and so I, I thought, well, there's, by his sheer grace, there's been some real key signature messages I've got within that time, and I thought, well, Lord is obviously going to quicken one of those in particular, but I could get quickened on none of them. And I went back to my knees and I said, with a blank sheet of paper, and I just said, Father, what do you actually want to say to this people on this Sunday morning? And as sure as I said that, um, this is the phrase that came to mind, and it very clear from the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But the way I read it, and apparently the way the Hebrew is written, is stand still and see the salvation. That is the deliverance, the miraculous intervention 
and supernatural breakthrough of the Lord. Now, I'm going to say that again. Stand still and see the deliverance, the miraculous intervention, and the supernatural breakthrough of the Lord. And I believe that 2021 is going to be the year of unprecedented miraculous interventions and supernatural breakthrough. And I also believe that 2020 has been the year in which Satan has endeavored to intimidate the church. And because, and why? Because he sees or senses the enormity of what God is going to birth in the church this year. And last year, he used that to intimidate. Why? Because he's panic ridden. That's why. And it's out of his fear of who you are and who you're going to become that caused him to try and intimidate you last year. The Bible is very clear that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Now, I'm not going to say the pandemic wasn't real. It's real. But I believe Satan has endeavored to use it against the church, to confine the church, to restrict the church, to undermine the church, to in some way uh, uh, cause such uncertainty in the church. And I believe with all my heart, don't you love iPads? Um, I believe all my heart that I'm here to, to declare something most of you already know, but he did not succeed. He failed because the church of God is very much alive in this nation, this city. He, the church is alive. And the second thing I want to say is that this is a year of new beginnings. And it ushers in the hope and the wonder of a supernaturally empowered future. But here I'm going to get to the point. All of that I believe with all my heart. But in order for this coming year to be a, a year of supernatural breakthrough, divine interventions, miracles taking place, it first has to be a year of reestablishing trust. Re-establishing confidence, re-establishing bold expectations. My friends, listen to me. We must reposition ourselves via praise and declaration into a place in which we actually begin to anticipate the miraculous. We have an expectancy about the miraculous. Because I don't know about you, but one of the residues that we seem to have in Victoria and I think right throughout Australia right now from the COVID year is uncertainty. People are uncertain and this uncertainty has hit the business world, but it's also hit the church. And it's a very dangerous thing. Uncertainty breeds intimidation. And intimidation and uncertainty can paralyze the initiatives in a church or a nation. When you are uncertain of the future, when you've been intimidated by the past, your womb of your spirit is not reaching out for bold new initiatives to be birthed inside of you. But my friends, this year is a year of positioning yourself before God 
Forgetting all that's going on around you. Don't try to control things. Don't try to fight things. Position yourself in intimacy with your father's heart, with a listening ear, and a heart that's expecting him to give bold new initiatives. It's not a status quo thing. It's not let's try to hang on thing. It's not let's carry on the present momentum thing. It's my God speak to me the revelation of your intention so that I can boldly embrace my future. And I believe God wants a new boldness. Can you say amen? But you know, it's... uh, I spoke to one or two when they described something of... Over the last few months, various guys, we all talked together and somebody said something and it was like, um, you know, I almost felt like I was drowning. And many of God's people right across the country have said they've had a spiritual uh, sensation like they were drowning. And and the Lord really spoke to me about that because one of the biggest um, challenges that a lifeguard will go through when, he, when he's trying to uh, rescue somebody in, in, a, in, a, you know, in a terrible uh, raging sea with wind and tempest and the guy's drowning and the lifeguard goes to rescue them, they'd say that the greatest danger in that moment is the guy they're trying to rescue. Because, he's, because every instinct within him says, I've got to do something about this. You know, they've been thrashing around. He's trying to save himself. He's trying to stay afloat. He's trying to, and it's not until he totally relaxes into the arms of the lifeguard that the lifeguard can effect the rescue. And the biggest challenge for God and all of us is to get us to relax in the arms of the lifeguard. We don't have to control it. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to strive at it. We we don't have to get out our spiritual sweat. We don't have to do that. We have to relax back into the arms of the one that will take us in the right direction. What do you see? It's whatever fills your mind. It's whatever fills your heart. Do do you see the burst of hope and inspiration because the lifeguard has arrived? Or do you still see the storm, the wind, and the tempest? Because when your eyes are set upon the storm, the instinct is to struggle. The instinct is is to survive. The instinct is to try and make things happen. And God is calling us back, I believe, to a place of of renewed trust, renewed confidence, renewed inspiration. I want to go to Luke chapter 8. Clear up a couple of things here. You alive and well? Can't wait till I hear some of the feedback from the book. This is is not a sit on the fence and ho-hum. This is a love and hate book. Some of you love it, some are going to hate it. <laughs> I'll make sure you haven't got to bring rocks to church next time I come. Okay, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he, that is Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Just hold it right there. And it says, and they launched out. So, 
eyeballs this way now. And they launched out. That is very, very important because you have to understand that the disciples were perfectly in the will of God in that moment. They weren't backsliding. They weren't doing their own thing. Jesus said, let us do. They said, yes, amen, and did. They were perfectly in the will of God when they went out on that lake. And then it... But you know, the origin of the storm. If they were in the will of God, and they were, they were obeying the instructions of Jesus, and they were... Why the storm? My friends, get this hold of this because it'll help you enormously because I believe the storm is because in that moment when Jesus said, we're going across the lake, the fishermen, they belonged on the water. Their whole life was boast. Their experiences, they, they knew how to read the weather. None of that mattered. They didn't even consider the element. They didn't consider anything. Jesus spoke, they did. And Satan saw the sudden potential of these disciples' lives in the years that lie ahead. And if, if they were able to pursue the calling of God with such obedience, they were going to blast his kingdom to pieces. And I believe the storm was an endeavor to take them out before they began to shatter his kingdom. It was a panic button. And it's always been like that. Always been like that. When Satan saw the deliverer was going to be birthed in Egypt, Moses, what did he do? He hit the panic button. He had babies slaughtered all over the place. Why? Because he, he had to prevent the deliverer being born. But he failed. He failed. And when the deliverer was born in Bethlehem, Jesus what happened? The same thing. The murder of the innocents hit the panic, but I slay everybody inside. Why? 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 Because he could see a deliverer was being birthed and was going to shatter his kingdom to pieces, and he did everything to stop it. He fears you. You say, really? Yes, really. The moment you wake up to who you really are, and I'm not doing a shameless little promotion thing, but if you have to get it free, take it. I don't care. The whole thing is I want you to wake up to who you really are. Yes, yes. And so the storm raged. Let's get back to Luke 8. You see, friends, I'll get to it in a minute, but the challenges and the oppositions that we face in life are only but an indication of how much he fears your future. Luke chapter 8, they launched out, verse 23. But as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. Don't you love it? And a windstorm came down on the lake. Or as one translation said, a great storm. And they were filling with water. The whole boat was filling up. And they were in jeopardy. Another translation says, in grave peril and danger. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. We're going under. The boat's filling up with water. We can't hang on much more longer. Dear God, we need... And so they're panicked. And he arose. He rebuked the wind, the raging of the water. It all ceased. There was a great calm. And he said to them, Guys, where's your faith? 
They were afraid and marveled and saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water and they obey him. My friends, they knew who Jesus was. That's not what they were saying. They were saying, what kind of authority does this guy possess that he can point to the wind and it stops? Well, he gave that authority to you. We have so diminished the call of the born-again believer, the true son and daughter of our Father, made in his image and carrying the Holy Ghost, representing everything Jesus was on the face of this planet. My friends, we need to regain an understanding of who we really are. Jesus knew who he was. That's why he was asleep in the storm. He couldn't have cared less. Guys, don't you understand? I'm the one that created the lake. I created the wind anyhow. It's all under my command. And, and, and I, I love the way that when he says, where, where is your faith? Because the word faith there in the Greek that he, you, faith is the word pistis and it means this. Let me tell you, the absolute conviction that a thing is so. The absolute conviction that a thing is so. So what was Jesus actually saying to him? Guys, where's your convictions gone? Where's your conviction about who I really am? Where is your confidence? Where's your trust? Where's your uh, boldness about who I am and who you serve and whose authority you're under? And you see, Jesus knew he's under the authority of the Father so he could go to sleep. And he was saying, if you only understood you're under my authority, therefore you carry my authority, you'd have been sleeping through the storm as well. Because the authority you under determines the authority you carry. Very, very. Exodus chapter 14. My friends, all of this is to say to you and get in deep down inside of your spirit. If there's any lingering residue from last year of disappointment or, or undermined faith or uncertainty or, or settling down for a lower level, if there's any element of that left, then this morning's a great morning to kick it out the door and leave it there. Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, don't be anxious, stand still. It's the same, same, same message. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. I love my father is never late. He's always right on time. For the Egyptian who, Egyptians whom you see today, you'll see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. Oh, if only we could get a hold of that. The Lord will do the fighting. So you will just hold your peace. So here's the instruction, stand still, stand still. And whenever I read that, I can't help but think of a, uh, something I read in an article about a woman by the name of Diane Fossey, and she was, a, I'm not recommending her, but I'm saying that she was a world-renowned expert on the great apes of Africa, and, and, and uh, she was speaking to this group that wanted to go in to see the great apes. And some of these silverbacks were, you know, like three, four hundred kilos, you know, this big muscles, you know, they were ginormous. 
ginormous. And, and so she's given her some instructions and she says, now listen, it's very rare that it ever happens, probably would never happen, but she said, if, if a large, think of this, think of this, if a large silverback ape, maybe 300 kilos of rippling muscle, thunders down toward you with hate coming out of its eyes and every expression saying, I'm going to rip you limb from limb and I'm going to throw your torso to Mars, you know, and, and you know, 20, 30 kilos an hour, uh, kilometers an hour just bearing down on you. She said, this is what you must do. Stand still. Are you kidding me? Every fiber of your boy being would scream, run. She said, stand still. Look him in the eye. And whatever you do, don't blink. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but it sounds great theory. But, uh, if, if, just imagine facing that enormous fury and hate. Stand still, look him in the eye, and don't blink. And someone kind of questioned it, and she says, it's a strange thing. But she says, everybody that they charge, every creature on earth that they attack turns and flees. To have someone stand in front of them and eyeball them is so confusing that it breaks their momentum and causes uncertainty within them. And I thought, when are we going to get the message? <laughs> you know, when are we going to get the message? We need to stand still, look your adversary in the eye, and don't blink. The demons of hell are not confused. They know you have the authority. They're just scared spitless that you'll wake up one day to the authority that you actually carry. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'll tell you what, friends, when going back to the Exodus thing, when, when chariots of steel and weapons and armies are charging down upon you and you're expecting some incredible thing from the heavens and God says to Moses, stand still. Stand still. The first thing you've got to do in order to precipitate a miraculous divine intervention on your behalf is to stop looking through the eyes of logic and reason and human perception and look through the eyes of faith and realize that the safest place on the planet is in the center of your Father's will. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. King Jehoshaphat was facing a huge multitude at this time, and it was gigantic. They were going to wipe him out. And so we pick up the story now in 2 Chronicles 20, 17. You will not fight in this battle. This is God speaking to Jehoshaphat. You will not need to fight in this battle. We waste so much time with our human striving. We postpone the miraculous. There's something inbuilt in every human being that's 
wants to believe that they have to do something, that somehow it depends on us. My friends, it doesn't. It depends on your dependency. Did you get that? It depends on your dependency. Margaret and I haven't been on salary for about 47 decades, and someone was asking us a little while ago, you know, what does that really mean to you? And I thought, well, quite frankly, we're in the safest place on the planet. We're in a place of total dependence. Isn't it funny how the very thing that can bless us the most, enrich us the most, uh, divinely use us the most, is the thing that humans fear the most? And that's letting loose and trusting. Taking your hands off the plow, taking your hands off the controls, taking your hands off the striving and the sweating, and lean back and let the lifeguard do his job. Where are we here? Okay, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't fear. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. You will not need to fight. No human striving is necessary, but you do need to position yourself. You do need to position yourself. And where do we position ourselves? Exactly where we're told to. He says, come before my throne of grace boldly in your time of need. Friends, we don't belong here. We belong in the throne room of God. And when we come in out of intimacy and hunger and thirst and worship and separation, we come before our Father and we say, Father, I just want a new revelation of your heart, your intention. Lord, I don't care about the storm. I don't care about the Egyptian chariots. All I care about is my father's heart revealed. Father, you just tell me what to do. It's the simplicity of it all. And then when he does whisper, do what he says. This Christian life has never, ever been complicated. Hear and obey. Pay the price to hear his voice. That's intimacy. And have the courage to do what he says. Unconditional obedience. And never ever forget what it says here in the scripture. And the Lord is with you. What does it matter who's against you if the Lord's with you? What does it matter what COVID can do if the Lord's with you? What does it matter about the laws of man? If God is with you, who can be against you? I've got to work towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. Mm. Did you get the accuracy of that? 2 Kings chapter 6. I love this scripture. And I'm going to wind up with this scripture eventually. 2 Kings 6 verse 14. Here's a story where Elisha has been telling the king of Israel everything that the opposing king has been planning because he's seeing him prophetically and he's informing on him. And so they, the, the heathen king, he says, right, I'm going to wipe him out. And he sends this great army after Elisha. So pick it up in verse 14. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out there, there was an army surrounding the city. That'll prove to be important in a moment's time. Where was the heathen army, the demons of hell in today's terms, around the city? 
with horses and chariots, and his servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? In other words, we're cooked for sure. So he answered and he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Gehazi must have thought, wait a minute, I can do basic math. One and one make two. And there's thousands of them. And Elisha kind of must have done an inward groan. And he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes so that he can see. The young man obviously wasn't blind. He could see the horses and chariots. But Elijah says, but open his real eyes. Open his spiritual eyes. Let him see what's actually happening. We don't fight flesh and blood, principalities and power. So let him see what's actually happening in the spirit right now. And it says, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. What did he see? What Elijah already had seen. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Listen to the phrase, all around Elisha. The demons of hell, the armies of the heathen, were around the city. So they figured that Elisha, being in the city, was their captive. But it says here that the angelic host doesn't say they were around the city. It says they were all around Elisha. And when I looked it up and dug into it a little bit, it's clear in the Greek that it means that Elisha was the epicenter. They were around Elisha. They were attached to Elisha. Wherever Elisha walked, they, they, the armies of the heavenly host walked. Wherever he went, they went. Because why? They were attached to him. They were surrounding him. And so no wonder he was asleep when his, uh, uh, when his servant was all getting panicky. Why? Because he knew who was surrounding him. And my Bible says the angel are appointed to minister to and for you. You're surrounded by heavenly hosts. But we so often disannul their interventions on our behalf because of what comes out of our mouth. Oh, gee, things are grim. Oh, brother. Oh, gee, it's going to be difficult the next week or two. I'll tell you what, we're going to have to hang on. What do you think that does? The words of your mouth are creative. So, where am I heading? I started us all off by saying that 2021, in God's calendar, in His intention, is to be a year of unprecedented intervention and breakthrough. Now, this, I'm not up here to give you a happy, happy, clappy, clappy rhetoric. I actually believe thy Father sent me to tell you this. And right now, get your eyes off last year. Get your eyes off any disappointments or restrictions or hindrances. Yeah, but, my, but, but Pastor David, this really did happen. I, I, of course. And now cut it loose. Because this is a new hour, a new day, a new beginning, and my Father wants to birth things inside of you that are new and creative and will extend the kingdom of God and the divine will and intention. But listen carefully to me in the last couple of moments. There is no withholding 
on God's part. But listen carefully. Any gynecologist will tell you this. That of a woman's womb is anxious and tension-ridden. She will find it hard to conceive. The, the number of, of ladies that have tried to be, get, conceive and after several years of not being able to, said, okay, let us adopt, which of course is a, a wonderful thing to do. But they adopt a child and within months she's pregnant. And you say, how could that be? And the doctors explain it this way. For the first time, she's no longer trying. And her womb is so relaxed, she was able to conceive. My friend, stop trying. I was never created to try. I was created to be. I'm my father's son. I was out walking amongst gum trees the other day and I was just having a ball of a time and I was just saying repetitively how much I love my father and how this was our garden and it's a cool place to be. And I'd been into it about 40 minutes and I realized I really hadn't got to the agenda. I hadn't been praying about the church here and doing other things like that. And, and I said, oh, oops. Uh, um, I said, I better get on, on focus or something like that. And I felt my father just say, why? This is pretty cool for me. I just wanted, I just wanted you up here so we could hang out together like a father and a son. You don't have, you, why do you have to always be sweating at something? We think we have to pound the floor to get the will of God. And it's the very thing that prevents us hearing it. You want to hear, you want to hear the will of God and have divine interventions? Relax back into your Father's heart. Worship and adoration and affection and love and, and, and being real with your Father. Oh, I wish you could get a revelation. You see, I think some of you may have heard me say this before, but I'm not like a son to him. I am his son. My Bible says I am begotten of his incorruptible seed. You cannot get it more definite. I'm not like a son. I am his son. And you're not like a daughter to him. You are his daughter. You're born of his seed by the Holy Ghost. And when he looks at you in the morning, he doesn't want to see the striver, although he doesn't want to see you in your official capacity or your title or anything. He wants to see you as the son and daughter that you are. And he wants the love and affection of his father's heart. And when you're least expecting it, suddenly he whispers and the dream comes alive, the vision comes alive, the, the faith comes alive, the anticipation comes alive. He wants to birth things in you this year, which will be extraordinary in the years to come. So it's time to position yourself. And I'd like you to do something, just as I close. I want you to stand. And, and I, 
this is just a physical to convey a spiritual. But if you do it with your heart, your heart, then something quite miraculous can take place right here, right now, not tomorrow morning, right now. I, I want, if you want eyes to see, listen to me, please. If, and musos and singers, you can freeze in your tracks. That's okay. Don't even need the music because you need your hands, you see. This is what I want you to do. If you want eyes to see what he sees, not strive to get it, not struggle and sweat for it, but you actually want to, in a place and a position of worship and adoration, to be able to see what he sees for you tomorrow, next year, next month. If you want eyes to see, then I want you to place your own hands on your own eyes and believe with me right now. Believe with me right now. Father, I repeat the words of Elisha, your servant. Open their eyes that they may see. Father, I believe that every person who's doing this right now with sincerity of heart, Father, that as they awake tomorrow morning, it'll be like, what happened? And, and their capacity to feel your intimacy and your embrace and the warmth of your heart will be indescribable. And their eyes and the, 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 the dreams of their heart and the, and the sense of expectation and the faith and the, and the anticipation and the joy and the celebration of who they really are will fill their hearts, oh God. Father, we want eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart so abandoned to instant obedience. Thank you, Father. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. We love you, Father. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Mark. Thank you for being with you this morning. Love. Look forward to this year. You stay there. Pastor Chris, could you come up, please? Come here, sweetie. There's a few words I'm about to speak. I've been preparing for my first sermon in February, but I've got to share it now. This past week or so for us as uh, God has been doing revival in our hearts. Um, I can't sleep without crying. I can't drive without crying. I, uh, God is just doing something. And to have this man here just happened. Come here. In 1994, God birthed revival in this house. And I've been praying for the wells of revival to open up. Now, I want to speak over you and I want to prophesy over you. 
Many of you did extreme battle in the last 18 months because there's the push coming for the birthing. And the first three services I'm preaching in February are leading up to 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've got guest worship leaders flying in. I believe God is preparing this house for revival. And it's, it's got to start with me. It's got to start with Michelle. And uh, it's uh, something beautiful. And to have this man here today from 94, where services were running six nights a week, and they were carrying people out. They were driving people out. Ministers from all over the state came here and sat here to be renewed and refreshed. I just, when David sent me that text this morning, I said, God. And this man comes and preaches and declares, just settle in it. Now, I want to, I want to tell you something. We're going to pray at the end, and these two men are going to pray and prophesy over this house. But it will come, and this is what I wrote down. These are my notes. Belinda's been getting a lot of this. Mark, his words surrounded. This is your words. His words surrounded me. Mark, what is coming is the era of mighty acts, the era of my outstretched arm. And with his mighty power, he brought them out, his tender love. Now, everything that is needed will flow in and from the upper room it starts with the womb before it will fill the room and we're going to pray at the end and I believe God is going to start taking you individually and disturb you in a God way to draw near to him like never before for he's about to do something and I wrote down here in this season of unprecedented acceleration pioneering and extending and building the kingdom of God with him, it will require much prayer and fasting and lingering with God. You always said to me, and this man scared me sometimes, he said, uh, I can smell prayer on someone. We used to get together and pray, hear each other's heart, and... Uh, but this is a season coming for prayer. It's a season coming for fasting. This is a time to draw aside like never before. My first sermon I'm preaching is you must change your pace and you must change your place to see a new perspective. You must change the pace of your week. You must change the place in your week. We've done away with TV during Monday to Friday. That's our time for just feeding on the Word. And, and this is not a duty. It's a devotion. We're loving it. And God, I'm believing He's going to disturb you in this godly way, in a good way. And the fresh encounters with Jesus, the fresh impartation of faith and empowerment of the Holy Spirit will happen in the upper room as you wait on Him. And the Lord showed me that in this season, there will be the opportunity to pursue Him. And He will place His hands upon you there will be the encounter and the empowerment in that time you will encounter him and be empowered by him in this season pastor chris you've seen this field here you've seen people you've heard cries 
What a privilege to have you here today. Would you speak and share and pray? You can do that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for this joy of being here and the privilege of being here under the prophetic anointing this morning. But when uh, I was coming, God put something in my heart. And I think it's a word to each one of us. And that is this. Jesus, in John 7, 37, at the last, that great day of the feast, he said, if you're still thirsty. They'd been through the rituals for the seven days. They'd got to this point, but Jesus was looking for those that were still thirsty. You've had a great journey. I'm sure you've known God, loved God, walked with God, been blessed by God. My question this morning, are you still thirsty? Because what drives this thing forward is God's grace in our hearts, drawing us into His presence. This is not some slavish obligation. This is the inspiration and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within. If something great is going to flow, it's got to start inside of us. And it's, it's, it's the thirst of our heart. What's, what's your thirst? Secondly, when Jesus gets to the end of this comment, he said, to he that believes out of his innermost being. So it's thirst plus faith carries us into the destiny and the purpose of God. You see, it's not just enough to have the river in the house. Ezekiel said the river's got to be released from the house. And so God is putting something together again. And, you know, I've been, I've been in ministry like Brother Dave over 50 years. And we can say, well, we've been there, done that, seen it all. We have seen a lot. But I still believe there's more. And that more, as far as you are concerned and I are concerned, is are we still thirsty? And are we prepared to believe the promises of God? Because I think there needs to be in the house of God and in the people of God, a fresh faith that says, God can do it again. God can do it again in my heart, in my life. And so let's believe, let's stand together and let's pray, shall we? For a fresh release of passion and a fresh release of desire in our hearts. Father, this day we come before you and we say, oh God, quicken within us a fresh thirst. Oh Lord, we've had so much and we've been blessed beyond measure, beyond what we could have ever wanted or deserved. But God, we know there's more. And today, Father, I pray, stir a fresh thirst for more in our hearts. And God, I pray for a fresh faith because we want to believe so that that river that you're stirring within us will be released from us, we pray. In the mighty name of you, loose your anointing upon our hearts today. Release faith in our spirits today, we pray, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless this house and let the river flow out of this house and let it bring life everywhere it flows, we pray. Let revival begin here, but not stop here, but flow from here, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Spirit was to be given, and we've received that today. Thank you, Jesus. 